Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Let me talk to you for a minute about the mental side of going through the fantasy dog days. Yeah, we got box scores to recap. Don't worry, we'll get to those. There are only six games on Tuesday. We'll have plenty of time. Especially given that, honestly, there wasn't all that much stuff that happened on Tuesday. A couple of things. But what I wanted to talk to you guys about today is not the COVID side of getting beat up on your fantasy team, but the actual injury side. Because now that we're beginning to, I don't want to say escape the the COVID wave, because in the rest of the universe, it's very much in the middle of it. But in the NBA, we're sort of on the tail end of the massive COVID wave. You've seen it start to taper off, more players coming out than going in, all that stuff. Good. That's good. But at the same time, as guys continue to play perhaps too many minutes while their teammates are all out, fill-ins getting a ton of minutes, weird things are happening. And guys are getting hurt in addition to whatever COVID stuff might be going on. Just as a quick example, as I'm looking at the team of mine that sort of stuck this one in my head where I was like, I think we need to talk about this today. Uh, I have a team where Karis LeVert is in protocols, Jimmy Butler's dealing with the ankle injury, Bradley Beal is in protocols, Norman Powell is in protocols, Gary Trent has a swollen ankle, and C.J. McCollum has a a, uh, partially collapsed lung. On that team, both, and and frankly, right now I'm kind of getting screwed. You guys heard me talk about how I basically had a pick on the turn in almost every single league, and I have some combination of Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, and Paul George in almost every one of those teams. Two of those three guys. They're all out right now. My top two picks are out in most of my leagues. The ones where they're not are the rare ones where I ended up with, like, the second overall pick. Or the third overall. That happened in, like, two of my 13 leagues. It's crazy. I have, like, a one team with James Harden that's doing fine. Uh, and I have another team that has Nikola Jokic. That team is doing fine. And a third team that has Steph. That team's doing fine. I think the other 10 teams that I'm monitoring, I ended up with a pick in the bottom three. So my top two picks are basically out right now. And on the one situation where I think I had picked like 10, and so Paul George and Jimmy Butler were gone coming back, I had Bam Adebayo. So I don't have the top two picks in probably 75% of my leagues right now. That's tough to deal with. And the reason... It's not for me to complain to you guys because everything's going to be fine. I bring it up because I have to believe that some of you are going through something similar right now. And to me, that that feeling, when you look at your team and you're like, I just don't even have my best guys. And it's not, and with Beal, it's COVID. But with Paul George, it's basically needing Tommy John surgery or just rest it out. And Jimmy Butler tailbone then tailbone again ankle then ankle again dude hasn't played what did he play five games in december in between basically missing half of november the other of december and all of january something like that you don't know when he's coming back he got ruled out for tonight's game yesterday with covid 
And this is such a weird way to look at it, but it's what's happening now. When someone goes into protocols, in your mind, you're like, okay, you know, poo. I'm down this guy for probably 10 days. I might get lucky, asymptomatic, whatever. Maybe they're only out for six, seven days, something like that. But it's probably going to be nine or 10. And if you get really unlucky, like Kristaps Porzingis, he's wearing it hard. Mo Bamba had it bad. Like certain guys have had it bad or worse than others. And if you get stuck with those, then you're looking at more like two weeks. But it's a pretty narrow band. It's basically one week to two weeks. You know when your guy's coming back. The unknown factor of Paul George, of Jimmy Butler. I, we got good news on Bam Adebayo, but I could have mentioned him in that context yesterday. Of Kelly Olynyk, of Jeremy Grant, those guys are later picks. Drew Holiday was out in protocols, cleared them, but his ankle wasn't better. The list goes on and on and on right now of players who are actually hurt. And again, this isn't me just coming on here to say, oh, you know, shucks, guys are hurt. Anthony Davis is hurt, by the way. Rudy Gobert is in protocols. But again, Dame out basically indefinitely. You guys don't need me to give you more names. Malcolm Brogdon, Achilles, CJ McCollum. We already talked about him. You don't need more names. What you need, I think, is a pep talk. And the reason I think you need that is because I need one. So we're going to do it from me to me. And you guys are all just going to sit back and you're going to pretend it's to you also. That's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. What do you do when your team is not obliterated by protocols? Because when everybody was in protocols and very few guys were actually hurt, everyone was getting nailed at about the same pace. You might have had it on a different week than your opponent, but it balanced out over the last month or so. It generally balanced out. I know there's some of you that are like, no, my team was worse. You might be right, but it generally balanced out. These other injuries, they don't. They don't. They'll balance out over 10 years, but they're not going to balance out over a month. It's a much longer period of time you need for that thing to become a level playing field between you and your opponents. If you have four weeks in a row where your best picks are out, which Jimmy Butler, CJ McCollum, those are my top two picks on a 30-deep team, you're pretty much doomed. Maybe for the year, you might just be cooked at that point. But there's definitely an in-between. With COVID over the last month, I told all of you guys, as I was telling myself, this is the time to hunker down. Find the best streamers. While a lot of folks are falling behind in games played or playing bench guys on their team that aren't that good, we went out and we found streamer after streamer after streamer. It was, this, it was an unending laundry list of guys that could put up top 75 numbers on any given night. And that was elevating our fantasy teams in the Roto Games Cap format. In head-to-head, we were looking for streams where we knew we were going to get four or five games out of a guy stepping into a better role. Maybe he wasn't going to go top 75. Maybe it was going to be more like top 100, but top 100 for four games in six nights or whatever as a stream. We were elevating our teams. But unfortunately, you can't really do that when it's just a litany of injuries knocking out your key guys. It has to be approached a different way. And you guys are not going to like the pep talk that I'm about to give because the pep talk is glaze over. 
You know what that means? To have your eyes kind of glaze over? Where you just look like you woke up from a nap. The world is a little bit blurry. You're not quite all the way locked in on whatever it is you're doing. Because right now, in this moment, let's say you're dealing with that same issue that, let's say you're Jimmy Butler, Paul George, top two picks are out right now. You have two paths you can go on. Path number one, and the, you know it's different for head-to-head and roto. Path number one on the roto side is you can freak out. Start playing guys who don't belong in your lineup, using up games cap on bad stuff. Glaze over. My advice is glaze over in a games cap roto format. If you're dealing with this kind of thing, continue to look for those streamers. Like if you've got nine guys out on a 15-team 15-player team, if you got like seven guys out on a 13-player team, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to probably turn someone into a streaming slot. But if it's four or five guys out, and you're just falling behind, you know, game a day, game every other day, whatever it might be, compared to the rest of the people in your league, just glaze over. Because the streamers for those injured guys have probably already been picked up. You might not have a roster spot to do anything with them anyway. And you kind of just have to wear it. You kind of just have to wear it. Now, in a head-to-head league, your calculations are a bit more extreme. You're going to have to make a hard cut. You have to do the opposite of glazing over. You have to put on your your killer mask, whatever that, whatever that means, And you're probably going to have to cut somebody that you normally, in almost any other circumstance, would not cut. Looking at the head-to-head team right now, that I'm, where I have like nine guys out and I'm just getting smoked two weeks in a row. Fourth place down to ninth place in one week. Ninth place will probably go to 11th if it keeps this way. Probably just have to drop someone like Norman Powell. Which sucks. He's a good basketball player. He's been real good this year. Can't drop Jimmy Butler. Can't drop Bradley Beal. Karis LeVert is coming back, so can't do that one. Just can't take that many zeros. And you're like, well, you know, I've heard people say, hey, what's the difference between, you know, five guys taking zeros and four guys taking zeros? Well, the difference might be you lose uh, six to three or five to four instead of eight to one or seven to two. Your third option, if you don't want to go crazy cutthroat and you know you're going to get smoked, is just start the one guy on your team who's really good at field goal and free throw percent and try to lose 6-3. to You'll win turnovers. I can pretty much guarantee you that. I don't know who you've got in your club. Maybe you've got, like, DeMar DeRozan. Pretty good likelihood that he shoots about 50% from the field on a given week and about 85% at the free throw line on a given week. That would probably win you both. I don't know who you've got. Look at your team, size them up, whatever it might be. Or maybe you need a combination of guys. Maybe you need like a high volume, really good free throw shooter and a medium volume, really good field goal percent guy. Whatever it is, do the calculations on your team and lose six to three. There is dignity in only falling a little bit when you are getting plastered by legitimate injuries on top of the protocol stuff. That's where it really starts to get you because everybody's got two or three guys in protocols, pretty much, again, give or take a team or two in your league, but not everybody has another three guys actually hurt medium term. 
That is where we can all get destroyed in head-to-head, and you can see your season end in two weeks if you don't take the right moves. So either be cutthroat or take the 6-3 losses, but one way or another, you must avoid losing 8-1 or 7-2 at all costs. Those types of defeats drop you so fast that if you're in a competitive league, you might not have a shot to come back two weeks from now. Ooh, almost forgot to tell you guys about ThriveFantasy.com. I'm going to do some posting about it on social media here today as well. You got to head over there. Um, Check them out. Check them out. Oh, Drew Holiday just got listed as doubtful for tomorrow. Terrific. So that continues. Uh, Larry Nance, by the way, traveling with the Blazers on their upcoming road trip. Ooh, good stuff. All right, you balance the good with the bad. Whatever. Ah, yeah, ThriveFantasy.com. Here's the thing. You probably don't need to worry about Larry Nance if you're playing over at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app because all you got to do is prop up. ThriveFantasy.com. Sign up today using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. That's our ethos. That's how we how we exist you get a hundred percent deposit match bonus up to a hundred dollars and and this is the way i really want you guys to check it out just put in 10 bucks go to thrivefantasy.com use promo code ethos and put in ten dollars everybody i believe at the site gets the hundred percent deposit match bonus but with our promo code you get those extra two twenty dollar vouchers that you got to use on the the twenty dollar contests for nba but basically for ten bucks you could do three of those NBA contests. It's pretty awesome. And if you follow our DFS Today team, the amazing guys, Santino, Mike, and, and their crew, they'll get you started with their favorite overs and unders. It's all prop bets. You guys know what prop bets are. Overs and unders. What is a player going to do? They're going to give you the 20 biggest names on the board and set you a line. Are they going to score more or less? Are they going to rebound more or less than a particular number? You pick 10 out of those 20, and if you get the most right, you win a share of the money. ThriveFantasy.com, promo code ETHOS. Sign up today, make them love us, and you will love them. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, dealing with a lot of that. I have it in multiple spots. I have it in a head-to-head league where I'm looking at it like, I'm going to I'm not going to make the playoffs in this league because of this stretch. Basically a Jimmy Butler stretch, but you know other guys getting involved in it. And I have it in a Roto League where I've done everything in my power to rotate guys in and out of my lineup just to have you know as many active players, someone playing every single day in a couple of spots, full stream, as humanly possible. That, le- that team right now, one, two, three, four, five, six guys with an injured tag, another two... Game time decision tag. I mean, that's that's a, that's a lot. Um, but I'm glazing over. I'm just not going to worry about it for four or five days. Just glaze over, come back, see if any of those guys came back. And obviously, if something else happens to your team, you can't fully glaze over. You have to be a little bit aware of it. Uh, in any event, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We certainly do a lot of our chatter over on the socials during the day. Anything that's not happening basically between... Uh, show and show you're going to want updates that's the place to get them and also of course follow the single greatest fantasy news feed on planet earth ethos fantasy bk on twitter uh i've been watching it real closely and not only now are they faster than fantasy labs they're more thorough 
I used to have fantasy labs. I'm gonna, look, I'm I'm be straight with you guys here. Um I've basically had the Ethos Fantasy BK feed and the Fantasy Labs feed side by side on my tweet deck for the last two years. Ethos was the one I clicked to if I wanted a a good assessment of what something meant from a fantasy standpoint. And then Fantasy Labs had starting lineups and generally got news out really fast if I could make the assessment myself, which is most of the time. Lately, Ethos has got it better, faster. For instance, just taking today for an example, uh, Ethos Fantasy had the Thomas Bryant news before Fantasy Labs. Had the uh, Spurs players potentially coming back news before Fantasy Labs. It's repeated. It's happening a bunch of times now. And I'm thinking, wow. Ethos Fantasy BK. You gotta follow the man. If you're not following them, you're falling behind. Just six games on Tuesday night. Oklahoma City at Washington. Bradley Beal in protocol. So we got our first look at that situation after, well, without Beal again. So there's a first look because it's happened before. Uh, Rui Hachimura played 15 minutes again, had seven points. He's someone to keep an eye on just in case, but I don't see him getting a large role. Kyle Kuzma is pretty well settled in right now and on a serious heater of late. KCP is going to be worth starting while Beal is out. Dinwiddie, obviously, worth starting while Beal is out. Things certainly open up a little bit for the other guys when you take Beal's usage off the table. The other thing to monitor, Thomas Bryant coming back. And I don't know. I, I'm i not fully set on where I fall with this one. I think people are over-rostering Thomas Bryant with the hope that he comes back and is like he was. He's 24% rostered which I guess is not all that high. It's up to 8% over the last day. He's only available in one of my money leagues right now. So people are really hoping for something big from him. I don't see him getting up to the 27, 29, 30-minute mark that he was playing at last year before he got hurt. He's playing well, mind you, 65% shooting from the field last season. He was pretty sweet, 14 points, 6 boards. The defensive stats were kind of coming around before he got hurt. The rebounding was coming around a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, you got Daniel Gafford. You've got Montrez Harrell, who played 24 minutes. Gafford played 23. You have Davis Bertans, who can be a stretch five. Kuzma at power forward. So where does Hachimura slot? Does he play any small ball center? I don't see how there's that many minutes available for Bryant. Even if he's a little bit better than these other guys, it's not by enough to where it's like, oh yeah, he's going to get 30 minutes. So I think you're probably ending up sitting on a guy who's going to slowly ramp up, but probably to more like 22 to 24 minutes a game. And I don't know if that, that's enough. Meanwhile, by the time he gets sort of slotted in, you probably see Beal back in there, and then the usage shifts again away from more stuff for a big man. On the Oklahoma City side, they put up a buck 18, so this is a better offensive game, so uh, not surprisingly, a few guys actually had fantasy value. Shea was good. Uh, Josh Giddy's been good lately, so he's startable while he's on a good run. Maybe he has now fully cleared the hurdle. So half of November, November, or excuse me, half of October, November and December, and a little bit into January, about two and a half months before that one started to click a bit. And then Lou Dort got the minutes back up to 34. Uh, he's going to sit right on the cusp. I do think he's startable if you can handle the low field goal percent. Phoenix beat Toronto on the road. Chris Paul finally woke up. He was in a weird little mini slump. Just kind of fell asleep 
Suns were coasting along. Jay Crowder is going to get pretty big minutes here with Cam Johnson out. I don't know that I would start him anyway, though. Probably just pass on that. Toronto's side was interesting. No Scotty Barnes, no Gary Trent Jr., uh, which meant Utah Watanabe started, played just 15 minutes, and did nothing. Uh, Chris Boucher was the big winner. He played 37 minutes, double-doubled with three blocks off the bench, and that hold continues to pay off. New Orleans, game winner, Brandon Ingram. Big ball game for B.I. He's certainly played better after a very slow start to the year. He's up to number 76 overall now. I don't think there's any buy low happening anymore. He'll probably roll up into that 60-something range, if I had to guess. Josh Hart, back and playing well. JV was slow in this one. Usually he does uh, well against opposing featured big men, but just not quite the case in this ballgame. Devontae Graham is probably a drop in almost all formats when this team is healthy. Herb Jones is going to be sitting right on the borderline because it's all going to come down to defensive stats, and he didn't get any yesterday. The usage is going to stay low. That's not changing anytime soon. I think you stick with it for now, but as I've said about 10 times over the last two weeks, just be aware of when someone's value is tied to a particular thing like that. That's fine, but if it's way overperforming, you got to know it's coming back to earth eventually. Minnesota is one of my favorite teams to handicap because I guess to just say, start the starters. Nope, not worried about Jaden McDaniels playing a little extra. Jared Vanderbilt was in foul trouble. Also not worried about Malik Beasley playing extra. He got hot, so he fit, he got a couple extra minutes as well. Nope, nope, nope. D'Angelo Russell, Pat Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, Carl Anthony Towns. Memphis wins again. I know the Warriors were without Draymond Green, and they're just simply not the same without Dre. Steph was pretty good. Still in a shooting slump, but triple-doubled. Clay Thompson, 20 more minutes. He'll be sitting out a half of their upcoming back-to-back. But the, the amazing thing is that you can probably start him at only 20 minutes a game. He might even go up to like 22, 23 in the next one. I don't know how fast they're going to move him. But he hasn't been shy, nor should he be, because he's one of the best shooters on the planet. And he's certainly the second-best offensive player on this team behind Steph. Sorry, Andrew Wiggins, who's going to take a hit in all of this stuff. I do think Wiggins settles into a better role as this thing levels off a little bit, so don't abandon shit. But if you want to bunch him for a game or two while Clay settles in, that's fine. On the Memphis side, and this is really the team, this might be the only team that we kind of need to pause on recapping the Tuesday card. Not for too long. Desmond Bain had a rare off game. DeAnthony Melton had another off game. He's had a couple in a row, but I'm sticking with him with no Dylan Brooks. He was too good early in the year. Zaire Williams started and played well, and that hurt Melton. Tyus Jones came off the bench and was awesome, and that really hurt Melton. Jaron Jackson Jr. was in foul trouble, and that helped our guy Brandon Clark, who I've been trotting out there the last four or five games, and it's gone really well. 26 minutes is more than enough for him. He's not going to hit this mark most games, but he's a high field goal percent guy who gets rebounds, blocks. Not completely bashful about taking a handful of shots. I think most of the time he's going to be closer to 20 minutes, which, believe it or not, is actually still enough for him to sniff that top 90 range. I'm sticking with Brandon Clark. I'm not sticking with slow-mo. That's the wrong verbiage, because I never said to pick him up. Someone was like, about half of you that sent me Twitter questions in the last two days were about Kyle Anderson. No, 
We saw enough of him playing in the mid-20s and minutes earlier this year to know that the one big game against the Lakers was not one you could count on long-term. And yes, he had four defensive stats here. And yes, he's good with steals, but he doesn't really want to shoot very much. He's not a primary ball handler. It was a sort of a safety valve in that previous ball game. But damn, this team's just beating up on everybody. I said a lot of names there. Here's where I stand. Tyus Jones can stay on the wire. Brandon Clark, I'm starting right now. Um, I'm not going to even talk about the obvious ones. Bain, JJJ, John Morant, those guys are very obvious starts. DeAnthony Melton is the only one that other, that also gets questions. And uh, he's a start for me, even though this was two games in a row that were just truly horrible. Also, a big deal this week. Our buddies over at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, it's the old site name. I know. Stick with me here. 15 months for the price of 12 at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Three bonus months on your one-year subscription at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Use your league pass the way you want. You're paying 200 some odd dollars for this damn thing. It's crazy. They're charging you through the nose, and then they're going to block you? They're going to block you out on the games you want to watch? Because, I don't know, some cable company, like, claims your city is part of the network that their team... Like, okay, this is probably not a problem we suffer from as much in a place like Los Angeles. We've got our key teams. If you have the particular uh, cable company, you're in pretty good shape. But, like, think about the Dodgers. Dodger games were not available to most of Los Angeles for the better part of a decade... When Spectrum took over cable around here. Oh, you guys, you know that you guys probably don't need to know the Dodgers TV stuff that was going on. And I know that's baseball and not basketball, but it applies to other parts of the country where I'm sure this is happening and I am not aware that it's happening. You're like, okay, I can't get this damn game. I'm going to get the, the game day package. I'm going to get the league pass package and then at least I can watch what I want because here's, here's a couple hundred of my dollars. Nope blacked out that's stupid use expressvpn.com slash hoopball and you can be anywhere you want remember last week i asked my wife where would she want to be if she could be anywhere and she froze you can literally pick any location on planet earth and she froze want to be in Kathmandu? watch a dodger game cool okay then there might not be a vpn for Kathmandu, but you can be somewhere else. That way, blackout rules don't hit you. And other streaming services as well. Netflix Japan is different than Netflix America. You want to see what other countries get to watch on streaming services? Have at it. You paid for these damn things. You should get to use them. And a VPN makes sure that you do while protecting your privacy. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. And by the way, just to tack on to the end of that one, big thank you, as always, to our buddies at Manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping. And mybookie.ag. Don't worry, we'll let you know as uh, more free money stuff pops up over there. Just go bet on the Super Bowl, damn it. That's coming up. When, uh, how far away is that? About a month? I don't track football very much. College uh, championship game was a couple days ago. Boy, that one was a weird one. I don't follow college football at all, but I do know that for a week, all I heard people talking about was, wow, Alabama's an underdog. That's a guarantee. And I was like, yeah, I don't know this game at all, but I would bet my life savings on Georgia just from hearing that analysis alone. Anyway, visit mybookie.ag. Their promo code is hoopball, and uh, we'll make sure to keep you abreast of any time they're giving away money for free. 
Chicago dispatched of the Pistons, who just had nothing left in the tank. Yikes, 133-87. Isaiah Stewart finally had a better ball game, 11-7 and and four blocks. Is this the wake-up game? Probably not, but, you know, we'll keep rolling him out there. Tried to warn you guys about Hamadou Diallo. He was fine here, but only played 18 minutes. There's just no guarantee of minutes in Detroit. Josh Jackson was playing better, so they were like, all right, screw it, we'll roll Josh Jackson tonight. Yes, there is an outside shot that Diallo picks up more minutes if the Pistons start moving bodies at the trade deadline, but most of the guys on this team, at least the ones that played yesterday, are relatively young. What are they going to do, trade Josh Jackson to clear out room for Diallo? I don't think so. Luca Garza, Sabin Lee, Cade, Sadiq Bey. These guys are all staying put. The guys on the Pistons that might move, Olenek, Jeremy Grant, Corey Joseph, those guys didn't play yesterday. This was what the Pistons would be post-All-Star break if they trade the veterans. I know. It's frightening to look at. But at least it was good for Stewart. By the way, I do still like the idea of stashing Grant and Olenek just to see what, what happens there. I don't know that those guys are getting moved to the deadline. There's a lot of smoke around Jeremy Grant. And if he moves and Olenek doesn't, oh boy, oh boy. Nothing of note on the Chicago side. I think, uh, well, Troy Brown Jr. had six steals, which is pretty sweet. There may be folks that are getting upset with Alex Caruso and how much time he's missed. If he's getting dropped anywhere, you should pick him up. He was really good before he went down. I doubt he's getting dropped in many spots. He was top 70 prior to missing like almost a month now between injury and, and protocols. But if he is, go get him. That's really the only note on the Bulls. And then the Clippers and the Nuggets, who played one of the ugliest games I've seen all year, got competitive late, at least. Nuggets blew a 25-point lead in this game. Nikola Jokic, poor Nikola Jokic, needs more help than he's getting. Aaron Gordon was pretty good. There was a weird time early in the year where someone, I don't remember who it was, was trying to force Aaron Gordon on me on Twitter. And I was like, nah, man, we've been down this road too many times. Right now, he's having the best field goal percent year of his career, and he's still outside the top 150. So, nah. Guess it's possible you could have a week here with Will Barton out. It's conceivable. Monte Morris should be decent enough in a slightly higher scoring game. I think you could go Jokic. Monte Morris would be the two guys I would actually start on Denver. And then Gordon's more of a coin flip. Go with him in a head-to-head stream. Facundo Campazzo has not hit a shot in three games. He's 0 for 10 over the last two. He's been horrible lately. Still got some minutes here, but yikes. He's just an assist stream at this point. And then the player everybody wanted to talk about on Twitter was Amir Coffey, who played a ridiculous 43 minutes last night. 18 points, 5 boards, 7 assists, 4 steals, 3 three-pointers. This will, I feel pretty comfortable saying, be the best game he has all season. And you might say, Dan, the previous game was pretty damn good too. Yeah, 21-5-3. and three. You might argue you could call those a wash if you really wanted to. Um, but look at the, the previous stretch games, you know? Uh, first of all, he doesn't get steals. He doesn't get them. Averages about uh, 0.7, 0.8 steals per 36. So there's almost no defensive stats with Coffee. The fact that he got four steals yesterday was actually way outside the norm for him. Hitting eight three-pointers over two games is a little bit wacky. I would say maybe the least wacky of the things that happen. He's an okay rebounder when he sees minutes. Probably will get you about six if he played full starters minutes. The passing is a little bit of a flash in the pan. He has some threes, some fives mixed in over his last 10, 15 games. Here's the thing. 
rather than go through these things individually, just look at the game log. He's been playing, I don't want to say like fully meaningful minutes, but since about Christmas, he's been averaging about 25, 26 minutes a game. We only noticed him yesterday because he played an absurd 43. It's not that anybody else went down. You know, Nick Batum was in some foul stuff. Reggie Jackson had some foul stuff going on. It's just that everybody sucked. And Coffey was like, all right, I guess I can go make a couple. And no one else could. Pretty much on either side in this ballgame, aside from Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Amir Coffey. Those are the only guys in this game who bothered to make a shot. Everybody else was, like, accidentally put it through the hoop. Marcus Morris, he'll be better in the next one. I wouldn't worry about him. The, the, the usage is more than high enough to get you there. Reggie Jackson, I think I'm pretty much punting on. I thought he would pick up the pieces with no Paul George. He hasn't been very good. Eric Bledsoe had his better game again. Who knows when those are going to come versus not. Evita Zubats had a world of trouble with Jokic, and then they just abandoned ship on that one. Man, I wish Isaiah Hartenstein was playing. You know, the sad thing is that I went into this Tuesday slate thinking, we're going to learn a bunch of stuff, and we didn't learn as much as I wanted to. Mostly because of absences. You know, Toronto missing two starters. We don't really know what that means for Chris Boucher. Obviously, he's a a winner when guys are out. But I want to know what things are going to be when they're in. Memphis, I thought we could learn a bit about their rotations. But Tyus Jones got lava hot and Zaire Williams was really good. So that mucked things up a little. Denver, hard to really handicap a team when they put up 85 points. Luckily, the NBA happens every single day and will again tonight. Huzzah. Slightly larger Wednesday. Nine-game card. Nothing nothing completely out of the, the ordinary here. Uh, in terms of things to keep an eye on, I want to try to squeeze that segment here in towards the end of the program again. We've gone a, a week or two without doing the... Might have been more than that without doing the homework stuff. Um, it occurs to me that I don't know why I went away from it. Oh, well, we're back. Uh, Boston, without Marcus Smart, I'm not super into the Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson thing. They'll be fine, but nothing spectacular. Indiana, we might get Karis LeVert back. It's a big, fat might. Uh, He has cleared protocols and is questionable for this ballgame, so that would be useful. And, you know, we spent the last week and a half trying to figure out if anybody else would consistently step up for the Pacers, and they didn't, so meh to this one. Charlotte, Philadelphia, kind of a, a bit of a meh. Also, keeping watch on Matisse Thybul, how he's been doing lately. Generally pretty good. Uh, Cody Martin on the Charlotte side is watchable. Orlando, no centers as far as we know. Mobamba out. Wendell Carter Jr., I believe, is doubtful right now unless he's also been ruled out since the last time I checked the newswire, which means we might get that weird Robin Lopez game. Washington is worth monitoring because Thomas Bryant's coming back, but if anything, people are going to be annoyed he doesn't play that many minutes and they might drop him, but I don't care. I just told you early in the show not to stash him anyway. Dallas, don't care all that much. Porzingis still out. Knicks, uh, Kemba Walker actually is questionable for this game, so that's something to watch as well. What does that do to someone like Alec Burks, who was quite startable as a starter and probably will be again because we know Kemba ain't going to last forever, but if Walker's actually back, do they give him that full starter's role again? Or do they finally throttle him down to like 25 bench minutes and try to keep him healthy? Who knows? Miami, same old story. Atlanta, kind of the same old story. There's, there's turmoil there. 
Anyaka Okongwu is a, a really fun stream with Clint Capella out. Houston, blech. Spurs might have a bunch of guys back. If Devin Vassell got thrown to the waiver wire by someone who got annoyed with his injuries and COVID protocols, that's a guy to go pick up. Cleveland, I can't believe I'm saying this, but keep an eye on Rajon Rondo. Utah, Whiteside stream. Lakers are interesting right now. They uh, signed Sekou Dumbuya to a two-way deal. Stanley Johnson's back. They had a really rough one uh, against the Grizzlies, and now they get the Kings again. Sacramento's... Uh, they played a bit better in their last ball game, but still not particularly good. I don't know. This is one where I'd normally say look at the Kings, but they've been so awful that how do you even? And then Brooklyn. We think Kyrie Irving and James Harden are playing. It's possible that Nick Claxton plays as well. He had to leave the last ball game, so that's kind of fun. I don't think there's going to be any massive fantasy shifts tonight, but that's what's on the docket. We'll go slightly shorter today. Why the hell not? You guys can get back to your day. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. That's me. Uh, I did a little Reddit AMA yesterday. That was fun. So uh, maybe I'll do one of those on Twitter today. You want to ask me anything? Someone on Reddit asked me why the sky was blue. That's particle scattering, I believe. Electromagnetic radiation stuff. Yeah, I took physics in high school. What the hell do I remember from it? 20-something years ago now. Woof. Male pattern baldness and memory loss. <laughs> That's where we're at. All right. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Uh, we'll talk at you tomorrow.